I want to encourage you to go and get a copy of God's Word. If you have it with you, we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 6, and I want you to be able to have God's Word in your hands. There is something that really connects us to God more deeply when we spend time together in His Word. And so please, I'm going to do a quick introduction for our series. Find your Bible and and get it ready to Romans chapter 6. Now, that feeling of resurrection Easter Sunday, that He is risen, and He is risen indeed, ah, It feels so great, doesn't it? Hard to believe it's just been a week ago. Because I imagine, like many of you, that feeling of great joy can fade quickly. It's very easy to let the joy of the Lord be taken away from us, even be attacked this week. And maybe this week you're tuning in this morning and you're feeling discouraged, anxious, maybe even let down. It's important for us followers of Christ, to keep that resurrection feeling alive in our hearts and to stay encouraged, especially in these days. So this morning, we're going to begin a new series, but it actually continues from last week. Now, last week, we looked inside the tomb. We looked inside the tomb to see that it was empty, that God was initiating a new creation at the empty tomb. The old is gone and something new has begun. Amen. This week, we change perspective. Starting this week and for the next five weeks, we look out from the tomb. Out into a new day, out into a new creation. What does it mean for us to live in the wake of resurrection? That's why this series is called The Resurrection and the Life. How do we live out the story of resurrection in our hearts, minds, souls, body, and the great hope of resurrection to come? All of this, of course, is building us up to a Baptism Sunday on May 24th that we are going to celebrate. We are. By faith, I say that for sure. This morning, we're going to begin by reflecting and reading Romans chapter 6. So by now, you've uh, found your Bible and you've hopefully turned it to Romans chapter 6. We're going to read God's Word together. I'm going to reflect on it a bit, a bit, and then we're going to talk about how this applies to our lives, that God's Word, the story of resurrection, changes everything. Well, as we open up God's Word, maybe you want to stand, as we do in church sometimes, to read the Word, the Gospel together, and let the words burn in your heart as they did even for those men walking in Emmaus. Let me pray as we open up God's word together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the gift of your word that is present now in in the palm of our hands as we stand in awe and respect of this wonderful gift you've given us, Father. Your instructions, your word, your breath. Lord, I pray that this morning as we read it, as we consider it, that our hearts would become aflame like it was on that day in Emmaus when those, those men heard the word and the great story that they were invited into and their hearts burned within. Well, Lord, that's a work I cannot do. So I ask you, Lord, each is gathered there in their homes, but the Holy Spirit's presence in each one of their homes right now, open your word to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'll read through it once and then we'll work through it together. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin 
go on living in it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. I'm going to walk through this a little more. It's a very dense cut of meat. I always say that about books like Romans, where you look at it and you're like, oh, that's a lot of thickness there. But it's not intimidating. It's actually, you can, you can understand. I'm going to give you the basic idea of what's happening in each of the little sections here and why this is such good news for us. Looking at verses 1 through 4 again, it tells us, don't you realize that you have been baptized? You who have been baptized were baptized into the death with Christ Jesus. And just as he was raised, you too have been raised so that you too might walk in the newness of life. Verses 1 through 4 essentially summarize to this, what has happened to him, what has happened to Jesus, has happened to us by faith. Isn't that amazing? We, by faith, participate in the work of the crucifixion and the glory of the resurrection in our hearts by faith. What happened to Jesus happens to us by faith. We have died to sin. We're alive in Christ. So we might walk in the newness of life. This idea of we might walk Did you catch that little word in there? We might walk in the newness of life. What does that mean? It means in the sense we have a choice. This is an invitation for us as followers of Christ to walk in the newness of life. Now, verses 5 to 9, this is is deep stuff, but we can process it. One of the ways, and I encourage you to read it this way, is to look at the verb tenses. What happened in the past? What is present tense? What is hinting at the future? For if we have been, past tense, united with him in a death like his, we will, future tense, certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, present tense, that our old self was crucified, past tense, with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed. That's past and present. And that we might no longer be enslaved to sin. Again, past tense and present. For whoever has died, past tense, is now free, present tense, from sin. 
See, our old self was crucified. Our old self was crucified with Christ as our representative. And that crucifixion that he experienced, that death he experienced, it gave him freedom from sin and it has no power over him. Death too, it goes on to say, that we know that Christ being raised from the dead, he'll never die again. Death no longer has dominion over, has no power, no authority over Jesus. What has happened to him happens to us by faith. And if we believe that Jesus died for it, then we believe that we also have died to it. If Jesus has died for it, if we believe that he died for our sins and died so we no longer have to worry and have death hanging over us with power or dominion or authority, then guess what? We have died to that power as well, and sin and death have no authority over us either. Sin and death have no authority, no power over us anymore. He took that sin, and he took death, and he killed it there on the cross. So not only are we forgiven, friends, we are also set free. We're set free in Christ. This too is amazing good news. If we believe that he died for it, then we believe we also have died to it. Verses 10 to 11 says, the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that Christ lives, he now lives to God. And so we too must also consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And again, what happens to Christ happens to us by faith. Christ is risen. He's alive. And he lives as a testimony to God's faithfulness and merciful love. Well, guess what? So do we. We are alive as a testimony to God's faithfulness and his love. We are alive in a new way by faith in Christ to serve as his witnesses here in the world. Resurrection, friends, is something that we get to live now that points us towards a future glory, which is why it is the best news ever. In other words, this literally changes everything. I'm so thankful to bring you that word this morning. So that's why Paul wrote at the very beginning. So what are we supposed to say about this? How are we supposed to live? We go back to the words of Jesus himself, who instructed us one great commandment. He said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, your strength. You will love your neighbor as yourself. This, of course, is the great commandment, the how then shall we live in the wake of resurrection as resurrection people. We will love the Lord our God and we will love our neighbors. Now, maybe you're like me and when you hear a commandment like that, you hear the strength behind it. It almost comes like, well, you'd better, you'd better love the Lord your God and you'd better love your neighbor. There's one aspect of commandment that, yes, he is telling us this is what we should do. This is how we should live. But friends, it's also the expectation. It's just the way it will be. As resurrection people who understand that what happened to him happens to us by faith, as resurrection people who believe that he died for it so that we can die to it, as resurrection people that have living for the glory of God to the greater glory to come, 
we will love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we will overflow in that love to love our neighbor. We just will. So this morning, church, I want to unpack that first value, heart. We will love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. See, the heart is a very special thing that we carry inside of us. It may be our most vital organ. It is certainly the driver of our lives. There's something beating here inside of us. It's called a heart. And for us, many of us take a lot of time, effort, and attention to keep our hearts healthy by maybe eating right or living a a healthy lifestyle. We also stimulate our heart with exercise, sure, and coffee. We do anything we can to keep our heart moving. We also understand the heart not just drives us physically, the heart drives us emotionally. We fall in love. We, oh, we can feel it in our heart. Or any of us that have ever experienced the pain of heartbreak, we feel it there in our heart. The heart is not only the driver physically of our lives, it's the seat of our emotions, the very center of our passions. Biblically, the heart is a vital part of our story. In fact, if you do a word search in any Bible search program, you're going to find the word heart comes up over 700 times. I know, because I looked at them all. And I wanted to get an idea, what does the heart mean in Scripture? And so I'm going to save you some work, but please do it. Search heart and look at the Scripture. It's amazing. Here's what we can learn basically from the heart's uh, role in the Scriptures. We learn that the heart is true. It is the seat of emotion. The heart is the place of love and joy and peace and gladness. But the heart can also be the place of hardness, discouragement, hatred, even lust. We see in Scripture that the heart can be moved, it can be lured, it can be given away. The heart can be tested, the heart can be searched, the heart can be deceived. The heart can be humbled. Ah, but the heart can exalt in the Lord. The heart can be made new. In Scripture, the heart can be made pure. The heart can rejoice. The heart shows resolve, not fear. The heart, it's a great place to store God's Word. From the heart, we ask big questions of God. And do you know our hearts can burn within us when we hear the truth? The heart can be refreshed. The heart can be enlightened. So powerful is the heart in the story of scriptures. It tells us that if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that we can be, that Jesus was raised from the dead, that we can be saved. So powerful is the heart. St. Augustine wrote uh, a very particular quote that's, that's well known about the heart. I love it. He said this, Lord, you made us for yourself, O Lord. He says, you made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless 
until it finds its rest in you. The heart is the driver. So what does it mean for us to live resurrection in the place of our hearts to find that rest in Christ? Maybe today you're here this morning and you need to be refreshed in that rest in Him. What does it mean for us to find new life in the Lord as the driver, our passion, our pulse, and our life, trading those feelings of discouragement and anxiety and letdown and trading them for the joy of the Lord in our heart? What does it mean? I've got three ways that practically we can live as resurrection people this morning in our heart. And it begins with this, wake up. It begins with that. We can wake up. Look, as we read in Scripture, in Scripture, we were once dead in our sins, but we are now alive in Christ. Let every day be a day of resurrection. Wake up praising God, craving His Word. As Lars said as we opened up the service, this is the day the Lord has made, and let us rejoice, put on a fresh joy, and be glad in it. Let's let every day be resurrection, Easter Sunday, because every day he is risen, and he is risen indeed. So we wake up to new life in him. Now, I say that to you with a little bit of a glint, because anyone who knows me well, like my wife or family, knows I'm actually not much of a morning person. It it really takes me a while to get that, that crank going in the morning especially now that we're sheltering in place and the schedule is not quite as clear. You know, and maybe you've been experiencing that too. Is it hard to kind of get up in the morning? So what I do that's been helping me, I think I read this in a health magazine once, is, you know, I have a very large glass of water sitting next to my bedstand. And it's, uh, you know, one of those, uh, you know, kind of mason jar things with a wide mouth, about 32 ounces. I kind of drink it anytime I wake up in the middle of the night, but it's still got quite a bit left in it in the morning. And so the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning to just wake myself up, and that's what this article told me, is I take this large jug of wide mouth water and I just choke it down. I just swallow the whole thing. And I'd be surprised. It really does kind of prime me. It does kind of get my body moving to take a big glass of water like that. But there was still something missing. It's not just water physically that we crave. It's also God's living water. So another thing that I've been doing is I've been opening my eyes and feeling those first, uh, first breaths of consciousness, consciousness in the morning, is praying, asking the Lord, God, thank you that I'm waking up to another day. Oh, and that you're alive, and I praise you, God, even here in my slumber. I praise you. I praise you. Maybe for you, there's a, a prayer. You know, maybe it's the Lord's Prayer, some familiar piece of prayer that you can use. That this is the day the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, God, for breath and life. Thank you for, for starting my heart this morning. Maybe it's spending time in Scripture, keeping the, the Bible by your, your nightstand there. So when you open it up, you can first thing, before you check the phone, before you do anything else, go into His Word. Now, maybe you're listening to me this morning and you already have a good morning discipline, some way that you wake yourself up and you're encouraged in the Spirit. I'd love to hear about it. Let's break the wall down real quick. And if you have maybe a discipline that you have, share it right there. Make a comment. And maybe others can can glean from your wisdom or your inspiration. So how do you wake up in the morning? How do you get your heart going in Christ in the morning? I'd love to hear about that. Second way that we can live as resurrection people in our heart 
is to walk. I love how the scripture tells us, so that we might walk in the newness of life. The life of faith, as resurrection people in our heart, it's active. Even the writer of Hebrews says we should run the race that is set before us. Walking in the newness of life keeps our hearts strong by walking with intentionality. We also know from Scripture that sin, unconfessed, unchecked, undealt with, weighs us down. Now I ask you, there in your own homes as we've been sheltered in place now for a couple of weeks because of this this COVID-19, are you weighing yourself down with sin? I understand that people are drinking more. I understand that we're seeking more entertainment, spending more time on our devices. Maybe you're listening to me this morning, and one of the ways that you've dealt with this shelter in place is to be irritable, anxious, maybe even angry, distancing yourself from the people you live with, being discouraged. We walk, friends, in the newness of life. And even if you go outside a little bit, and it depends on what your neighborhood looks like, I have seen quite a few people walking. Now, yeah, they're six feet away. They're keeping their distance. Fine. But they're at a social distance, but they're still craving connection. And one of the ways that we walk in the newness of life is, again, we go back to that commandment of loving God and loving neighbor. And even though we're six feet away from each other and being safe, there is still the craving for connection. So I have found that as I take a walk in the neighborhood or bike ride or outside playing with the kids, I'll see people and I will stop and offer a greeting. Hey, how are you? How are you? And they delight in that because they're they're hungry right now. We're all hungry for social interaction that's real, not through the screens. How many more Zoom calls do we need in our lives? None. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart and you will love your neighbor as yourself. So to walk in the newness of life is to walk in the new joy, to rejoice in the grace that God has shown you in Christ. Here's another one for you. You know, even with a mask on, you can still tell if they're smiling. And so can you. You really want to get your pulse going. Say things like this to people, neighbors and friends. Hey, bless you today. Ah, anything I can be praying for you about. You really want to get your pulse racing Start talking about Jesus and the gospel. I promise it gets your heart racing. It really does. That's walking in the newness of life. Let me take one moment and talk to our senior friends who are out there. Because I know for them, this has been a difficult time. Sheltering maybe especially. Some of you are even in, in a sense of quarantine, can't go out. What is it? How do we walk in the newness of life if we can't leave our homes? We're praying for you, first of all. And we miss you and we love you. But I was fascinated by the fact that Paul, the apostle, wrote all the epistles while he was sheltered in place for preaching the gospel. And he prayed without ceasing. And he said that, I'm praying for you without ceasing, praying and praying. And he offered encouragement. I see you doing so well. And he corrected them even where they were heading astray. So you can still have a profound ministry even when sheltered in place. Third value, how do we live as resurrection people in our heart? Remember, the heart is a place of mystery and love and passion. So we live with wonder. We live with wonder. As the scripture promises us, we will certainly be united in a resurrection just like his. 
We're going to unpack that amazing hope of resurrection to come in the next couple of weeks. But even if today we are walking in the valley of the shadow of death, we have nothing to fear because his rod and his staff are comforting us and guiding us through it. So are you here this morning? Are you hearing my voice this morning? And you're feeling discouraged or anxious or maybe even let down. Maybe you're searching for hope in the wrong places. Remember, the heart can be led astray. The heart can be led off. Remind you this morning of the great mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. That's the great hope that we live with wonder in our hearts. One day Jesus is coming back. The same way that he ascended, he's going to come back. And we pray until that time that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we come to know him so that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. This is Ephesians 1 so that we may know what is the hope that that he has called us to and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance for all of the saints. Amen. We fill our hearts with wonder. Living with wonder is always searching for Christ as our hope and the great hope to come. Now again, I pray that these words across the screens encourage you this morning. I want to pray for you and pray for all of us because I know this is a week in which that resurrection Easter feeling has been challenged and compromised. We need to pray and be encouraged together. So let's pray together. And if this is the words of your heart, just just tell us that on the screens. Just say like it or heart it or whatever you want to do. Amen. Just Lord, wake us up. Lord, wake us up. Lord, wake us up. Lord, revive our hearts. Breathe into us new life, the hope of your resurrection. Forgive us, too. Lord, if we have kept to sin, may we confess it right now. If we have been keeping to sin, may we confess it right now. May we receive your forgiveness. And Lord, set us free. Maybe right now there's someone that God is putting in your heart that you need to confess to. Maybe it's the people next to you. And Lord, will you lead us to walk today in newness and purpose as we honor the social distance but extend the love of God to others? May we love you and our neighbors as ourselves. And Lord, fill us. Fill us with a heart of wonder. Knowing that death no longer has dominion and authority over us. And we rejoice in the promises that you've given us for eternal life and a resurrection to come. And Lord, we thank you that you are with us always. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.